Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers, where we provide you with up-to-date information on cancer care and research. Our host, Dr. Anise Chagpar, is Associate Professor of Surgical Oncology and Director of the Breast Center at Smilo Cancer Hospital. She interviews some of the nation's leading oncologists and cancer specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. If you are interested in past editions of Yale Cancer Center Answers, all of the shows are posted on the Yale Cancer Center website at YaleCancerCenter.org. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can contact the doctors directly. The address is canceranswers at yale.edu. Here's Dr. Chagpar. Welcome back to another episode of Yale Cancer Center Answers. I'm Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined today by my guest, Dr. Peter Koo. Dr. Koo is an associate professor of medicine in medical oncology, and he's here with us today to talk about the development of new drugs for the treatment and prevention of cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So, Peter, let's start off by talking about lung cancer, because that's really, as I understand it, your main focus. Yes, correct. So, tell us about the current therapies for lung cancer. I mean... Do we do a pretty good job at the moment treating this disease, or is there still a long way to go? I think we still have a long way to go because each year in the United States, we lose about 600,000 people die because of cancer. Because it's the number one cause of cancer-related death. That's right. Mm -hmm. And the lung cancer particularly, it kills about 158,000 men and women Mm -hmm. and 1.7 million in over worldwide. So there's a, an urgent and critical unmet uh, clinical needs here. But, I mean, not everybody with lung cancer dies, right? Like, so there must be, I mean, because otherwise everybody who's listening to this show thinking about people who've got lung cancer are going to get really scared. There are some treatments, right? That's true. So, so talk a little bit about what the treatments are currently. So if, if I come in, God forbid, to your clinic today and let's say I've got lung cancer, how would I be treated? Okay. So there is a very um, uh, well-established um, line of treatment for patients who have a different uh, disease state in lung cancer. Mm-hmm. As you know, the lung cancer also has uh, four different stages, mm-hmm. and uh, particularly the later advanced stages are very difficult to treat. So um, because many uh, uh, the lung cancer patients were uh, coming to the clinic at later stages, and we have very limited uh, the method to treat these patients. So the best thing is people who are aware of the lung cancer and uh, do the, uh, the routine uh, examination and then find uh, if there's any lung cancer, their lung cancer early stages. Mm-hmm. However, if they come later stages, we have few options. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm saying, few options is still we uh, the five-year survival rate of lung cancer is about seventeen percent at this stage. Seventeen, one yes. seven. One seven. So, yeah. so, so few key points, I guess. Mm-hmm. The first is um, the need for screening, and my understanding is that there really isn't a whole lot of great lung cancer screening out there. It's not like it's breast cancer and you can get a mammogram every year. That's correct. There's no good uh, way of screening lung cancer. We use the uh, x-ray, we use uh, the uh, spirometry, the low-dose CT type of thing. 
However, uh, there is no uh, definitive uh, screening method like other cancers. Right. And um, the, we are, a lot of people and physician scientists are hard working really hard on identifying those uh, biomarkers that can uh, use for early detection of the lung cancer. Yeah, and I know that um, we've had discussions on Yale Cancer Center answers in the past with Frank Detterbeck talking about how now, especially for people who have a significant smoking history, that spiral CT may be used for screening, but lung cancer happens in non-smokers too. Um, and so, uh, so trying to catch those cancers early uh, gets to be difficult, I guess, and that's why people present late. That's correct, especially the people who uh, doesn't have any uh, smoking history. Uh, they they are still pretty good percentage, like 15% of lung cancer patients are from non-smokers. Mm. So uh, particularly those patients are really difficult to identify because there's no um, the prior history in their family or though the obvious risk factors that is exposed to develop the lung cancer. So um, the lung cancer is really uh, difficult to treat. Yeah, and so, so, you know, when we talk about later stages especially, I mean, in most cancers, later stages are treated with chemotherapy. So does chemotherapy not work in lung cancer, or does it work in some lung cancers but not others? Yeah, definitely this is patients-to-patients cases because some patients respond to chemotherapy. However, the later stages, it's very difficult to treat chemotherapy. Mm. But now we are developing a new uh, therapy, targeted therapy, and recently uh, immunotherapy things. So, so that's a very nice transition into the state of the science now. Now, I understand that you are part of a group of investigators here at Yale who have gotten a very large grant called a SPORE. Um, you want to tell us what a SPORE is and why that is so important and so prestigious and actually may make a difference in the field? The SPORE uh, is in the acronym of Specialized Program Research Excellence. And this program was developed originally by NIH um, the, uh, to support the uh, transla- translational research that brings the scientific findings in the uh, laboratory uh, to uh, clinic mm-hmm. and so that patients can have uh, better opportunities of a new clinical trial effective treatment. And so the, to explain this, uh, this spore here is maybe uh, too short, and uh, we may not have enough time, but uh, let me try to uh, briefly explain this. The Yale Lung Spore is led by Drs. Roy Herbst and Li Ping Chen, and it is composed of four main projects and three core projects that support the main projects, and also developmental research project and the career development program that can um, identify and, and, and nourish the junior uh, uh, scientists uh, and physicians in this research area. So in this program, over um, 100 scientists and physicians are working really hard together to find new methods of lung cancer treatment and prevention. 
Yeah, so I want to I want to jump in here just for a brief second to really highlight to our listeners um, how important that is because the key phrase really is translation, and I think that that's often a buzzword that we throw around and we talk about bench to bedside and back again research, and we talk about physicians and scientists and and we banter those terms around. Um, as though they really don't mean anything. But, you know, putting it into context, and I think right now it's particularly meaningful to put that into context when you think about Joe Biden and his son who recently uh, got cancer, and now he is moving forth this whole moonshot project. And one of the things for our listeners who have heard Joe talk, um, he really does talk about team science and bringing together scientists who are doing that critical research at the laboratory bench side and making sure that they're communicating and talking with and collaborating with the clinicians seeing the patients at the bedside because it's only when you really bring those two groups of people, those two sets of brain power together, that you can really start making significant differences. And so that really is at the crux, I think, of of what a spore is. Is that right? Right. Actually, spore is really um, bring a breaching between lab scientists and clinics in the physician in the uh, clinic. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the findings it is scientific findings. It's very difficult to interpret and then translate or to move these findings into clinic without any um, the science that supports this tran- transition. Mm-hmm. So SPORE is really the, a, a tremendous amount of the scientific findings and translate and into uh, bring drugs and methods and treatment into a clinic so that patients get benefit out of this. That's right. And and mm. it can start leading to clinical trials. And Lord, we've talked so much on the show about um, about the benefit of, of clinical trials. So so tell me a little bit more about some of the projects uh, that are going on in the spore and some of the science that's that's really being investigated and and what promise it holds for new therapies. Yes. Uh, one of the recent uh, therapy that is really highlighting in, in uh, oncology community is the immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. And this immunotherapy is, is specifically uh, targeting the immune uh, blocking, uh, immune, uh, blocking the immune surveillance system in, in human. So what I'm saying is in human, uh, our immune system is continuously scanning to find the bad and malignant cells and get rid of them. Mm-hmm. However, cancer cells are really smart and evolve escaping from the, uh, the immune surveillance system. Mm-hmm. So this immunotherapy is basically restore the human immune surveillance system so that we can, uh, the immune cells can find the uh, cancer cells and kill them. Mm-hmm. And this spore, one of the project is really um, the working toward that immunotherapy because the current limitation with the immunotherapy is about uh, is about 20 to 30 percent of cancer patients are responding to this drug. Remaining uh, 70, 80 percent patients are not responding to uh, this miraculous the immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Roy Herbst and Li Ping Chen and in our, you know, in our department is working on to identify a new method 
targeting those patients who are not responding to current immunotherapy or resistant or recurring by the immunotherapy. So, so, so they're trying to figure out, if I understand you correctly, why even with using immunotherapies, which are supposed to kind of take away the invisibility cloak of these cancer cells that makes them hide from the immune system, why that immunotherapy still doesn't work in a fairly substantial number of patients. And so so how far are they on that? Have they figured that out? Because, my goodness, if they could figure out what to do with the people who don't respond and why they don't respond and figure out how to make them respond, well, we might be on the verge of something really great in terms of potentially, dare I say, even finding a cure for lung cancer. Maybe not quite uh, cure, but yeah, we are pretty really, decent therapy. Right. We're really are working toward that. Mm-hmm. I think the best person to answer the, your question is Dr. Roy Herbst. Yeah, but Roy's not here. He's <laughs> off in a clinic somewhere treating patients. Oh, yeah. He's so busy treating uh, these patients because the Yale Cancer Center, Center is really the, uh, I would say, uh, the home of the immunotherapy because mm-hmm. the uh, our landmark study for this immunotherapy was originally um, the reported by a group of uh, physicians at Yale including the Roy Herbst and uh, the Mario Snow and Scott Gettinger and Dan Petrilock. Mm-hmm. So here, uh, uh, patients uh, read those, pa- heard about those uh, studies, those landmark studies, and, and see the outcomes of the uh, response of the therapy. So patients coming uh, in. And so we have our physicians are really busy in, in taking care of those patients. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't, I wonder how many of our listeners really know that, you know, the landmark studies in immunotherapy whether it's in lung cancer or in melanoma, uh really came out of Yale Science and were published by Yale doctors. Um and and it's really so wonderful to see uh that moving forward and the fact that we're able to build on our previous strengths. Uh, and previous publications, and now trying to really even hone it further and figure out, well, why do some people not respond and other people do? What other uh, therapies or promising treatments are are coming out of uh, your research and out of the SPORE? Yes. Uh, the, we, uh, one of the, um, specifically speaking, one of the topics that we are currently working on is the patients who are not responding to those immunotherapy. And we are identifying new targets. Uh, we try to identify a new combination uh, therapy and the, um, so that the, um, we can expand the spectrum of patients that we can treat. And another one is the, we are the, as a the, uh, uh, really a basic scientist and translational cancer biologist, we are trying to identify a totally new targets. Mm-hmm. And recently we identified one of the targets that is not uh, known as a, the uh, therapeutic target. Mm-hmm. And this is the one of the uh, E2F transcription factor family member. And this is called E2F8. Uh, we, uh, we reported these findings that this E2F8 is a good therapeutic target in recent journal of the National Cancer Institute. And we currently we are developing a new method and new drugs uh, targeting uh, this transcription factor to fate. 
And this fate is, is really overly expressed in the majority of human cancers. And um, we are hoping that we can uh, develop a new drugs targeting uh, this fate in the so, near future. So, Peter, this is so exciting. I mean, finding new targets, looking at combination targets for people who may not respond to immunotherapy. Are these now in clinical trials, or are we still in that translational phase trying to figure out if these combinations will work? Yes, we are in the currently translational uh, period because the sci- scientific findings to, trans- to uh, clinic, there is a, a huge gap, even mm-hmm. though we say easy, but you know, it's, it's to translate those scientific findings into clinic takes a numerous supports and fundings and interest and and, and resources. Mm -hmm. So we uh, start uh, seeing these things uh, through the spore and through new uh, uh, initiatives such as Moonshot program. So we are hoping that all of those resources can um, support and provide some additional resources for our studies so that we can translate our scientific findings into clinic more uh, rapidly because uh, we we have we know this is very um, the critical target uh, important uh, for uh, uh, future clinical usage but um, to translate this, we need uh, the more data and more findings right. and more supportive studies. But a lot of our patients who are listening uh, to this podcast, they're asking themselves one question, which is, when are those targets, when are those therapies going to be in clinical trials so that people can avail themselves of that? Do you think that's going to happen in the next year, five years, 10 years? What's your sense? Currently, we are uh, talking with the um, papers and, and business sectors so that we can move this project forward into clinic. We are expecting 18 to 24 months. And by after finishing those uh, the studies that are required for FDA uh, approval, then uh, we can do move on to this in clinical trial. We yeah. hope in two years. Yeah, that is so exciting, mm-hmm. so exciting work. Um, and it's just amazing to hear what fabulous work is going on at Yale with the, the lung spore and in immunotherapies and finding new targets that really will help uh, to get the therapies um, that will help us to treat these cancers so much better. Thank you so much for joining me, uh, Dr. Ku. It was such a wonderful discussion about your research and the development of new cancer drugs. Until next time, this is Dr. Anise Chagpar wishing you all a safe and healthy time. This has been another edition of Yale Cancer Center Answers. We hope that you have learned something new and meaningful. If you have questions, go to YaleCancerCenter.org for more information about cancer and the resources available to you. We hope that you will join us again for another discussion on the progress being made here and around the world in the fight against cancer.